Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Well, we talk about the Utah way of working together on tough issues. It's long been considered a, a Utah model for the rest of the nation. So what are our lawmakers actually doing right? What should we celebrate? What should other states emulate? Our own Dan Bomas from KSL News Radio joins us to like a look take a look at some of our biggest successes. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, you had a wonderful piece at uh, Deseret.com talking about some of these things that we should we should celebrate and the rest of the country should emulate. Uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, you uh, talked about the fact that the the way appropriations happen, the way the money gets, how we decide how the money is spent is actually one of those things we do really well. Tell us about it. Well, this dates back to the 1960s when uh, Haven Barlow was president of the Utah Senate. Uh, it wasn't necessarily his idea, but he put it into place to have each member of the Utah legislature sit on an appropriations subcommittee. And um, he uh, says that allows for each member of the legislature to develop some serious depth of understanding in different areas of state government. Uh, uh, he talked about that in a Utah Foundation podcast that was recorded about, uh, oh, six years ago or so. Yeah, in fact, let's let's take a listen to uh, just a real quick. I know uh, he just celebrated his 100th birthday. Is that right? Did I get that right? Dan? That's right. Yeah. Wow, at, at 100. So this was a couple of years ago. This was from the Utah Foundation podcast. Haven Barlow on this whole idea of how those committees work and why that changes the game. Take a listen. They, the very first year, very, very first year legislator, after the very first year, that legislator becomes an expert in some segment of our state government. And that is a great opportunity. Uh, I think that's so important, Dan, uh, because uh, especially we see this at the federal level where they pass these big sweeping bills and a lot of it just says, you know, to be determined or to be determined by an agency. Uh, as opposed to getting specific, this actually forces lawmakers to really become experts on how does the system actually work. And uh, you don't have one appropriations committee that's making all the spending decisions for everybody. Um, there's another thing that uh, I was arguing that we do well, and that is um, our vote-by-mail system, mm. which actually didn't get imposed all at once, kind of evolved over about a decade. And then uh, at this point is... Um, strongly favored by a lot of Utahns. There are some who uh, don't like it much, but uh, I talked to Deidre Henderson, our lieutenant governor, who's responsible for that, and she uh, strongly favors that and says that it gives no advantage to any one party. There's no reason 
to uh, go back to the way we used to do things because this improves our voter participation. Yeah, the participation, the transparency, uh, really having confidence in the system. And and to that point of confidence in the system, you also noted in your article uh, judicial appointments. The way Utah does that is a little different. It is, uh, because in a lot of states, uh, judges run in partisan elections. Here in Utah, they don't. Um, Here in Utah, there's a lot of vetting that goes on in the legal community before um, a few names go to the governor, and the governor can pick from that short list, and then the Utah State Senate has the opportunity to confirm those nominations, which is routinely done. Um, There's also a recall or a, a retention process for judges in Utah, so every 10 years they have to uh, stand for a retention election, but it's only been a few times that Utah voters have chosen not to retain judges in office. Um, there's another thing that uh, Utah does well, and that is to uh, try and spread out the money that's available in state funding for education using something called the weighted pupil unit. And that's a system that's been around since the 1970s, The idea is that the local districts raise what money they can through property taxes. But if you're in Paiute County, that's not going to be nearly as much as it is in Salt Lake City or Park City. And so the state makes up the difference using the the weighted pupil unit. And also, when the state gets ready to uh, fund public education, that amount of the weighted pupil unit is, is the funding mechanism they look at. That's been, again, going on since the 1970s. And the last thing I said we're doing well is um, our legislative website. I don't know if you've uh, been on le.utah.gov very much, but what a tremendous asset that is to watch bills going into effect. About the only thing it doesn't do is get you into the closed caucuses that the parties sometimes hold, Republicans in particular, But uh, in general, if you want to know what's going on in a committee meeting, if you want to know what changes have been made or are proposed to a bill that's going through the system, uh, it's all there. And you can uh, even participate in some of the committee meetings using um, that system as kind of a remote hookup. So um, there's really every reason to to get on there and use it. Yeah, and I think that's such an important thing in terms of – uh, people saying, hey, I don't know how to get involved. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on on Capitol Hill. Uh, so it's le.utah.gov. And so you can see changes being made to bills and resolutions in real time. Uh, as you mentioned, Dan, you can listen or you can watch uh, the debates. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to participate and engage. And, and it's simple. You can you can do it from your phone. You can do it while you're waiting for the bus uh, or waiting for an appointment to start. Uh, you can do it uh, from the, the comfort of your uh, kitchen table as well. Uh, so all of those things are are super important. And again, uh, on that same site, you've got the email addresses, you got phone numbers, uh, all of those things. And and we will say, and I think you noted this in your in your column, uh, that uh, they do respond. They respond promptly to those kinds of messages. And uh, and Dan, before I let you go, you you made one final note uh, that I think was really significant uh, as it relates to something else Utah does well that uh, the rest of the country could take note of as well. Tell us about that. Well, that was, you know, it's the prayers that open each daily um, session of the legislature. You'd think, well, this is just, you might, if you were a 
hard-bitten reporter think, oh, well, this is just, you know, uh, cynical pandering to the uh, religious majority in the state. But uh, uh, when my son was serving in the U.S. Marine Corps in Afghanistan, um, I truly appreciated the, the prayers that were offered every day on behalf of our armed forces. And uh, that changed my whole view of the subject. Yeah, uh, it's such an important thing. That, and you actually, I was so glad you brought this up, Dan, because when I was in D.C., it was actually my favorite thing. Uh, was to go over to the the well of the United States Senate and listen to Chaplain Black, Barry Black, uh, offer the opening prayer on the session uh, in the United States Senate. It happens every day. And, of course, he would have uh, religious leaders from all kinds of of different faiths would come in, and and he would allow them to offer that prayer. Uh, But some of the most important lessons I learned uh, about where we are as a country, where we need to go, uh, it took place in those prayers, and I, I think that's an important thing in both our nation's capital and right here on Utah's Capitol Hill. Uh, Dan Bomas uh, from KSL News Radio, uh, one of our longtime voices, great reporter, well, boy, great storyteller. I'm, I'm sorry if you hear uh, <laughs> one of our puppies thinking his rights are being infringed here. Hey, everyone gets a voice on this show, Dan. Everyone gets a okay. voice, even the puppy. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dan. Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, that's Bye-bye. Dan. That's Dan Bomas, and uh, it really is a great piece. You should check it out on Deseret dot com. And again, I'm going to encourage all of you to engage in the process. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. Uh, you can do it anywhere. Le dot utah dot gov, and be part of the solution. So yes, we have significant challenges in the state of Utah. Yes, we have things that our legislature can do better or differently, and we have a host of things we're doing incredibly well that are not only worthy of celebration. They're also worthy of some emulation. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Much more to come in hour number two. Stick around. Live breaking news. Now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Sponsored by Any Hour Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.